Welcome back to the Scorpio Podcast, you man. This is episode 40. I always forget the numbers, bro. It's either 41 or 42, innit? You man will know because it will be in the title of the episode. Um, but your host today, this is back again. Again, without Nathan Shaw. Um, he's obviously been busy with um, the clothing thing still. He's made these jumpers. I, I'm sure you might have seen it on the um, on the socials and that. We made a little video and everything that he's um, been working hard on with a couple other people. Um, but hopefully we'll have him back soon at some point. Um, but today joining me is an individual that I met in 2016 or 17, I believe. Um, he's helped me out with my first music video ever. We met on a cold night in Camden in the summer, I believe. Um, turned out we had the same birthday and shit. It's all weird, but there was a little good synergy going on there. Um, and he's been a friend of mine ever since. Um, Thomas Sandler, it's a pleasure to have you on, bro. What are you saying? That, thank you for having me. I, I, I remember that night in Camden. That yeah, yeah. <laughs> cold, that cold summer night. It was, um, it was definitely because... a little bit cold. I believe I was wearing my, um, my, my fucking fur coat back in the day. I had a very atrocious well, sense of it. style. That's oh, atrocious. I mean, that, that, that fur coat, I think, is the reason we met. Because I, I think I remember uh-huh. seeing that fur coat and thinking, I've got a fur coat. I should go say hello to this guy. Yeah, 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 yeah. I believe. Yeah, me. W- were you wearing wearing yours that night or not? Or were you wearing something different? No, I, would, I wouldn't have been. I, I think I was, because I was visiting some friends in England. So uh, traveling with a fur coat is very impractical. Takes up space, isn't it? A bit too much space. Yeah. 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 For the for the trade off, um, <laughs> but yeah, Tom Thomas is a. I guess you and I, I'll, I'll let you introduce yourself. Like, what what do you do for people that don't know? Because we're going to talk about that for a little bit, and then obviously we'll go back to our regular format and just talk shit about some news topics. But um, what what is it that you do? Uh, well, so I like to make films, um, mm-hmm. and I've made some short films. I so I made your music video as well. So mm-hmm. um, yeah, I mean. I, I really like filmmaking. It's something that I sort of end up ended up in, uh, but mm. I think more generally, I just like being creative. So I work on different projects as well. Uh, but yeah, filmmaking is very much the one in which I've sort of found a, a, a voice that I've can that I've trained, I suppose. Mm-hmm. I hear that. I hear that. Um, what are you? Are there any projects that you're working on currently that you can chat that you can tell me about that are going to be particularly interesting? Because I know you got a few. Uh, yeah, so I, I, I mean, I'm working on a documentary which is going to follow three Belgian women driving tractors across the Gambia. Um, they're gonna they're gonna deliver these tractors to a little village in in the Gambia, and it's gonna be a little adventure. It's gonna take about three days to to drive those tractors across, um, mm-hmm. minus hiccups, of course. Right, right. Uh, but more, but more importantly, it's it's you know still figuring out what the real story behind that documentary is. It's more going to be a documentary, which is hopefully going to be a a really a nice realistic tapestry of like what is Gambia, what is the culture there, how do people um, interact with each other, and 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 yeah, trying to let them tell their own story mm-hmm. uh, whilst just using these this little tractor adventure as like a yeah as a device. Right, right, right. I mean. So you said they're like figuring out the main story. I mean, how how do you go about doing that whilst also staying? Obviously, because obviously these men that are from Belgium taking these tractors across the Gambia, they're going to have their own intentions, whatever they're trying to fucking do and get across. It's kind of like a charity type thing, I guess. How do you, how do you line up you trying to tell a movie, trying to tell a certain story and them doing their thing? Do you get me? 
Yeah. So, I mean, even in the sense of a charity, one of the things they made very clear to me is that it's not it's not like a charity in the sense of they they give and the Gambians receive. They want to they want to make sure that everything that they do is is from the Gambians initiative. Right. The people who live there, yeah. if they need something. So, for example, now they need three tractors because they've got a lot of a uh, lot of agriculture to to cover and and. And they needed three tractors, so they requested that. And now they, they're going to deliver these three tractors. Um, and these people are supposed to pay it back. So okay. they, they're complete, the people giving the tractors are completely aware that they might never see that money. Um, however, the idea is still that they're taking the initiative and that the people from that little village are the ones sort of taking initiative themselves and, and therefore, you know, being entrepreneurial and helping themselves uh, get be a step up. So when I talk about finding the real story mm. and trying to tell that real story whilst they're obviously doing their own little mission, um, I think in this in a similar sense, it's about me not going in there and going, I'm going to tell this story, but rather mm. going in there with an open mind, thinking about all the people that we could be talking to and doing research beforehand about who we could talk to and what they might say and being open to that story changing as we shoot it. Okay, I hear that, I hear that. Um, yeah, you, I mean, when we, when we spoke about this the other day, you, you mentioned poverty porn and you don't want it to be that for this thing at all, right? Um, yeah. That made me think, I wanted to sh do like a little quick fire thing, yeah? I'm gonna rattle off some stuff that you could do in post-production potentially, yeah? Just a hypothetical, let's just pretend it's not even this movie, just a hypothetical, like you've gone to like some place in Africa um, and you're filming something about someone doing some charity sort of work. I'm just gonna fire some stuff at you. You right. tell me if it's, if it's acceptable and if it's not, yeah? CGI flies. Not acceptable. Explain. Um. I would say not acceptable because you're, I mean, why, why do you need CGI flies? It, I mean, all of this is always going to be in the context of what you're trying to say, but I just, I, I'm not seeing the context in which I'm going to put in CGI flies and invest the money and resources, <laughs> the resources to put in like nice, good looking CGI flies or worse, bad looking CGI flies. I, I, I mean, I'm guessing the, in this hypothetical situation, you'd be trying to make the place seem a bit worse than it actually is. Right, you know, so you're okay, to, so, to make so, people so give like their augmenting, money, yeah, augmenting. Oh, right, okay, so basically dramatizing what is happening, right? Right, right. Um, I mean, CGI flies color grading the water to make it a few shades darker than it actually is. Again, it's like uh, a similar one to that. Again, <laughs> acceptable or not acceptable? I, you know, I, I, I'm a believer in letting them tell their story how it is. Um, and mm -hmm. so I don't think that I'd want to manipulate that. In, in that sense, I, I feel like then you were really going into like, a, how can I maximize the profit that I make out of this sort of scenario? Because you're like really trying to dramatize it. But I guess it, yeah. It, or, 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 or maximize the amount of money that your charity is potentially getting, right? You know, where, where are you going to end up drawing the, the line, you know? Yeah. Those were, those were yeah. a bit mad examples, but like, let's even say like, because you see in charity things, people playing or, or, or they'll put like somber music in the post-production or dramatic music, like bare sad pianos yeah. and shit, mad reverb on the ting, like it's bare dramatic. Um, where's the line drawn, do you reckon, for you? Yeah, I mean, I think the way I'm seeing that is um, you're augmenting, you're, you're sort of, you're changing 
what is visually there, like in shot very deliberately, as opposed right. to when you, let's say that you use music. Um, right. I don't even, in, in my documentaries, I don't often use music exactly for that reason, because it, it actually, you're, you're sort of telling the audience how to feel. Um, yeah, there's no, but, there's no pianos in Uganda playing in the background. It's just uh, <laughs> stuff. Well, yeah, probably, probably not. I mean, if you do use music, use local music, use music that they make, mm. you know, because it, that's okay. the thing, it's their story. I'm not saying that you can't use music and you need narrative beats. You need to sort of make sure there's a structure to the story. You can't just show people something and expect them to understand what they're watching. You need to mm. help the audience out in a certain way. All you right. can try and do is be as honest as possible. I'm not saying I'm going to get it right every time. And I'm just, and the thing is, a lot of people get it wrong all of the time. But as long mm -hmm. as your intention is there and your intention is to really be honest and to let these people, you know, not to exploit these people, then, I right. mean, you know, make the mistakes, fine. I, I'm not going to, I'm not going to be angry about that. But I'm, as long as I'm trying to do my best. I hear that, I hear that. Um... So that's one, that's one uh, project that you're working on. You got any others that you can tell, tell yeah, us about? The, um, the, 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 night, the nightclub one, I would like to hear about that you were talking about. Yeah, okay. We're, so we're working on a, a sort of exhibition rave where we're going to combine raving and cinema. So we're, we're developing like a 90-minute animated narrative. Very basic, very simplistic narrative because the idea is that you can go to a rave and this narrative is going to be playing all around you. So we're going to, we're going to project the narrative with 3D projection mapping in 360 mm -hmm. degrees. So at the moment, the, the location is the Round Chapel. And this is like a big chapel in London. Um, mm -hmm. And basically what 3D projection mapping allows you to do is, you know, you map out this space so exactly that you then with animation can sort of warp all the different elements into whatever you want it to be. Um, and then, yeah, we, we, wanna, we basically want to use that and then make it even better by, by putting a little narrative in it that is easy enough to follow that even if you are a little bit drunk or a little bit wavy, that you can still sort of feel because all we're trying to do is draw emotion from the crowd or, or like allow them to feel emotion whilst also enjoying themselves dancing. Um, so okay. it's, yeah, it's just a new look. I, um, the first, the, matter of fact, the first thing that I, uh, that I thought of when you told me about this was um, this movie called Into the Void. Have you, have you heard about it? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah it's it. quite sort of, is, 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 was it, is, are you sort of, obviously that gets very dark and deep in terms of storytelling and that, but is it, along those lines like so people can kind of get an idea of what this would look like sure um if you want to get an idea of what it would look like i mean this is like it's not like into the void because into the void still has a very big narrative and it's like mm. you know we're, we're not going to be using real people in this narrative we're talking about so the, the yeah. narrative's super simple it's about a luminary which is like a little luminous ball and yeah. this luminous ball does not feel like it belongs with all the other luminous balls. And they, they so then it goes on a journey of self-exploration to then, you know, potentially find itself or not find itself. But it, 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 at its essence, is it's a story about connection. And mm -hmm. I think connection is something that we all can relate to. Certainly nowadays, we've all missed connection a little bit. And so we're trying to like bring that into to that. I hear that. Are there, are there any, uh, what, 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 what are your main hiccups in terms of, or not hiccups, what are your main obstacles that you're going to have to like go past to do that? Because it's quite a big thing 
360. Well, first off, I'm thinking sound is going to be a fucking mazer of an issue to to resolve, because um, uh, you're in a cathedral and you're, it's going to be surround a surround sound type thing. So you're expecting one yeah. guy on the end of the dance floor next to the bar has to have a similar or same experience to a dude who's like. I don't know, in a K-hole in the middle of the dance floor. Uh, do, you know, do you know what I'm saying? <laughs> Very... Yeah, yeah, no, absolutely. Very important. Yeah, um, yeah to that, that's definitely an issue, the, the sound aspect of it. So we're using quadraphonic sound, which means we're having like four points, four speakers at different points. Um, right. So that you can sort of have rough surround sound based off of these four points and you can match the animation with that a little bit, um, make it even more immersive. Mm-hmm. Um, but but yeah, I mean the main problem is just you you you're in a huge chapel. I mean the reverb is ridiculous. You're trying to play mm. beat based music, it gets washed out really quickly. So this means that we need to work with the space. We need to work with the actual mix, uh, and make sure that we're only, you know, potentially, you know, blasting the low low end of the music from one end, uh, right. and then just using that the highs and the mids to sort of make spatial differences between the back and the front Uh, but certainly it it is a problem right now we're developing a miniature of of a space so we're going to cut out like laser cut a miniature and then we're going to project into this miniature to have like an example of what it's going to be like Um, okay mad mad where are you doing that you just do you just finding like a random space to do that or that so that won't be in a space that will literally be a miniature like laser cut out all 3d printed oh shit out okay, of mind. um yeah out of like styrofoam or whatever white card it, it depends we're working with a very talented production designer oscar godfrey uh and he he's he's on it and he's gonna make it happen man that like fucking oscar godfrey what a name bruv he sounds professional he sounds legit <laughs> <laughs> so i mean you've 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 described um their two very very they're very different um like qualitatively different qualita- qualitatively different um i guess projects and ideas as a filmmaker i wanted to ask you um like what um i don't know i guess this 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 will be like this will be relatable to any like creative i guess but like what a common denominator have you found in um the projects that take your fancying because you've spoken to me a lot about if once you find a project or an idea that you like and you want to uh, put into reality, you need to be able to sit with it for like a good chunk of your life, essentially, like a few years. Yeah. You need to sit with the idea, yeah. be like, yeah, it's hard. Um, then you need to pitch it to people for starters, get a lot of man on board for different technical aspects of it. And then you need to put it into practice and then you need to go and market it essentially. So there's a lot of like life cycles that you need to be prepared to stick with. So what have you found I guess take maybe take into account these two projects that you just mentioned where you're like, yeah, this is why I like them because they're mad different. I mean, I think, I think I'm still in the honeymoon phase of uh, being a creative. Uh, okay, okay. I think, I think so with the films that I make, I know for sure in terms of the films that I like to make, I love uh, comedy and drama. Like, you know, mm-hmm. dramedy, very broad genre, I know, but... But to me, it's more, it's not, it, it comes to it in the sense that, you know, you use comedy to get an audience to lower their guard. And then you, okay. and then you subtly slide in this very big topic, this important topic, this something that really matters to you, you know, the thing you're really trying to express. Mm. And before you know it, you've got someone who doesn't care at all about certain, you know, certain topics 
but because you've used comedy to like lower their guard and to get them to like certain characters or to like certain people in the sense of a documentary, um, then then all of a sudden they find themselves caring about something they never thought they would have. Um, okay. I, I mean, a lot of this is so. For example, this is a the documentary is an adventure documentary. I know it's going to be an adventure and it's going to be a really good time. Uh, I I love traveling and, you know, traveling is something that I always want to do. So that's what got me into adventure documentaries. And then in the same sense that like with this, with this rave, it's like, how can I take something that I already enjoy and how can I, how can I make that even better? It's, it's all coming from this perspective of like, you're going to spend a hell of a lot of time with these projects. Um, so you best enjoy what comes out of it and you best enjoy making mm-hmm. them as well. Right, right. So, you know, a lot of it is centered around enjoyment. I think if, 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 if everybody enjoyed themselves a little bit more in what they did, everyone would probably be producing a lot better work. Right, right, right. But how do you, because it's, it's hard to, it's, uh, it's, it, surely it's hard to know. Uh, f- I mean, first off, you're, you're, there's always going to be something that's unknown about the process you're about to go on or the journey you're going to go on in making these things. So how, how, how do you ensure to the best of your ability and the best of your knowledge that you're going to enjoy two years down the line when you're fucking, I don't know, sorting up the low end on the speakers at the rave because there's phase issues sure. and it's fucking jarring. Do you know, do you know what I mean? You, um, you don't know. You don't know if you're going to enjoy right. it down the line, but you've, okay. you've got to take the risk. The, you might end up hating it. And to be honest, to tell you the truth, you do hate your projects half the time. Mm. And then right. the other half, you love them. The, the thing is, you just got to make sure that you do love them because you need to love them enough to hate them. <laughs> um, okay. Yeah. Yeah, love enough to hate them and stick with them, I guess. Yeah, yeah. No, I hear that. I hear that. Um, but I know, yeah, it sounds, that's interesting. I mean, just from what you said there, in terms of what you're, what's the same in all your projects, it seems like you're trying to, I don't know if this is the right way of saying it, but like you're manufacturing vulnerability initially. In your audience, in the audience, you're, manufa- you're manufacturing vulnerability and then that leaves them open to, for you to, to, to give whatever message you, you believe is important or pertinent to them. In some. Sure, I mean, it's, it's it, yeah, it, I think that, that it's a good way to describe why comedy works for drama, right? Uh, right. The, this idea of disarming the audience, but it's not necessarily what I do. I mean, if I... If it happens that way, it happens that way. But it's not like I'm constantly making films, thinking like, "Oh, how can I make this funny? How can I?" It, it's just the way my it's just the way my mind works. That like in the edit mm-hmm. or when I see something funny, I'm like, "I love this," or like, and not even just funny. I'm talking about entertaining. Uh, I'm talking about you have a character that's larger than life that people sort of look at and they go, "Wow, <laughs> that's just you know, that's just incredible." People that. Mm-hmm. People that really um, are so themselves that you have mm-hmm. no choice but to respect them. Even if you don't like what they're doing, you're like that. You know, I respect the honesty. I respect that they that they dare to be different. Mm-hmm. And and I think that those sorts of stories, those are the characters I'm drawn to. Uh, and I think that that automatically then leads into a little bit of comedy and a little bit of entertainment or light-hearted entertainment before then also sometimes delving into. Um, bigger issues, right, right, right. No, I like that. I like that. But I, yeah, but it's but it's important not to try and force big issues on people because that's not that's not how people work. People don't watch films always to be like, oh, I want to, I want to, you know, my opinion to be changed about something, or I want to see some real, real problems. And mm-hmm. um, that's also not why I watch films a lot of the time. 
And so I'm making stuff that I would like to watch. Right. Yeah, forcing forcing big issues on people is a is a, a kind of uh, a theme we'll we'll get back onto in the news section of this. Um, I'm sure. Very much so, actually. Very much so. So it's interesting that you brought that up. Um, steering aside away from, I still want to stick on you for now. Steering away from like the content and the projects you're working on. What I want to talk about the other stuff because um, I want to talk about going to film ceremonies and that. You've recently. Uh, oh no! You, I mean, you worked on it ages ago. Uh, the Ed Pratt. So what's the name of the film? It's this guy who you Unis- You explain it. You explain it and tell me the name. <laughs> the okay, Curiosity sure. of Edward Pratt. Uh, yeah. And that's a, that, a short documentary about Edward Pratt, who is the first person to unicycle around the world. Mm-hmm. Uh, he started when he was 19 years old, and you know, instead of going to university, he decided to unicycle around the world for three years, and that was his coming of age story. Uh huh. I hear that. Um, and what? Um, because he's he's a very he's a character still. He's he's a mad character. He's not just um, it's not a, it's not really about unicycling at all. Really, I've because I've I've watched mainly his like YouTube uh videos and that. He's got like a channel, right? Um, and I've watched a lot of his videos on there. Um, and he's a really like funny. Uh, I don't know how to describe the guy. He's like something out of like a Disney movie. Like he's like a Disney character <laughs> essentially. Do you know what I'm saying? Like wholesome, like. <laughs> Pixar done made them type deal. Um, so I definitely recommend checking out. But what 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 was that like? Um, yeah, aside from you making the project itself, but what's the other stuff been like? Like going to the ceremonies and stuff and that and trying to push it out there. Okay, well, I'll start with the project itself. I think when you're talking about Ed Pratt being a character, he certainly is. Mm-hmm. Um, and this is where it comes to what I was saying about like someone being just so themselves. Mm-hmm. Ed Pratt, when we actually went down there to interview him, he was really tough to interview. He did not... You'd expect someone who unicycled around the world, you'd expect them to be full of stories. Right. But you, you just couldn't get a, a, like a full, good, exciting story out of him uh, on camera. And I think Ed's videos are so good because he got really comfortable with that camera that was just him and the camera. It was like the only person he would talk to for for weeks if not months sometimes so you really get to see what ed who ed really is and he, he's you know he's such a likable character just because mm. he's so extreme in in the sense that he'll he'll just unicycle around the world and then talk about it like it was the same as you know just go and shop yeah <laughs> um it, it was it was quite yeah it was one just so what we ended up doing in the documentary is basically not using any of his interviews apart from like right at the end where we ask him why did you unicycle around the world mm. and and his response is I don't know <laughs> I, <laughs> my life so that I mean that says it all mm-hmm. yeah. so yeah and then and then in terms of in terms of um going to award ceremony. So it won the Royal Television Society Yorkshire Student Award for Best Factual. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that was like, it was it was big because it was the first big award that I'd won. I mean, Yorkshire is, in terms of population, is the same size as like Flanders, which is where I'm from. And that's like the entire region. That's half of Belgium, you know? Um, so so it, was, it was hugely big for me. And, and I, I think... It's great fun, but I was pretty overwhelmed 
I didn't realize, you know, you don't know that you're going to win it. And then they announce it and you just go, okay, I'll just run down these stairs, get my award and just hurry back to my seat (laughs) and, Mm -hmm. and, uh, and just, you know, smile internally. Um, and then I spent most of that evening, like where you're, you're supposed to be networking. I believe when you, when you win an award, it's a really good opportunity to talk to lots of people and, and, and scope out job opportunities. Right. Uh, Right. But I'm pretty sure I just, I was quite focused on just drinking enough water and, uh, I would be talking to like a BBC guy with like a pint of water that was still half full and he'd be like yeah really enjoyed the film you know he'd ask one question I'd respond to that question and then as soon as the question was over I'd be like yeah just thank you thank you I'm really glad you enjoyed it I'm just gonna get some more water (laughs) what 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 in that interaction right there what happened is that nervousness is is that you're just not used to the industry-ish type things go on and on like what's the it, it is nervousness. It's like, it's trying to stay in control of that situation, I guess, by, mm-hmm. you know, leaving it and going to get your water to like collect your thoughts and think, okay, <laughs> let's calm down. Um, but it's, it is because like people are talking to you and these are like big industry professionals and you, you know, they're telling you like, come by for a drink or like mm-hmm. come, come have a coffee at the office and we can talk about, you know, whatever. Um, and that's all like really fun to hear. But then as soon as you hear that, you're like, well, where do I take this conversation from here with my dry fucking mouth? Right, right, right. I hear you. I hear you. There's a lot of pressure there, I guess, isn't it? And I assume, is, is it weird that there are those undertones of, um, I don't know, I feel like if you're surrounded by your peers and especially people that could potentially uh, uh, give you big, big opportunities, uh, is it weird that there's an undertone of like, I don't know, some sort of trade-off, I guess? And you've got to pretend like, nah, this is a casual chat, but at the same time, potentially like yeah. this is an end for me. Yeah, I'm I'm not big on the whole networking aspect. I'm it's to be honest, it's because you, it's actually a, an unprofessional thing to say. I think because saying that you're not big on networking is just like, okay, well, basically, I struggle to put on my professional hat and just go right. right let's let's network and let's not be. A person for a second let's be the business because as a freelancer you have to be a business and a person right but you need to know when you take your when you put your business hat on and you go and do the business and then you can be a person after that but like yeah because it's so blended because you need to get along with these people as well it it can be really tough and I think that's just because I'm young you know I'm (laughs) I'm making mistakes all the time and and Mm -hmm. I'm learning so I'm I'm sure I get better at it but yeah it's it's pressure for now Mad, mad. Sounds like yeah, it sounds like a lot to um a lot to go through in that. When when is this film coming out, by the way? Is it out or is it not? Because I've looked for it a few times for the past like year and I just found this the dude's YouTube channel. Is the film itself coming out somewhere? The film itself will be coming out hopefully uh by the end of this year. You know, f- films generally run for about two years on festivals. So oh, okay. it was so made end of 20, 2019, end of 2019 it was made. So that means that now 2021 is its last year on the festival mm-hmm. circuit. Um, you can see it at festivals, of course, but that's pretty niche. I mean, <laughs> right, right. the festivals, uh, unless, unless they get free tickets. Um, to be fair, they're all, they're all online now though, aren't they? The f- festivals now. Yeah, at the moment they are. And that's been really annoying actually. Cause like I was, I, I mean, the RTS was like my first experience with this and I'm sure I would have gotten a lot better at networking if I'd actually had the opportunity to go to all these festivals in person mm-hmm. and and talk to people. 
Um, but unfortunately, that's yeah. It's like you make a good film at university. It's a really, really, really good like jumpstart into the industry because you technically have all these festivals that you could go to and talk to industry people. But unfortunately, it's sort of been yeah. It's all been online, so you don't. That's dead. You don't really well, just, get to just big to just people, big Zoom yeah. calls. They're just big Zoom calls with people or what? Yeah, that happens as well. Big Zoom calls, and they go, you know, have your have you send your email in and then like we'll send your email to everyone else and then you can email each other and it's like i i mean i i didn't even i didn't even see these people's films because if if you're not at the film festival itself i'm not going to sit in front of my television at home and like you know watch watch all this stuff because there's a lot of yeah. bad films out there i'll be honest <laughs> wait even 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 at the festivals yeah even at the festivals i mean uh, festivals definitely because they like all of these films are like a lot of these films are not about like entertainment. A lot of these films are about showing something that you can't see anywhere else. That you know something that's unique and that's from the filmmaker's point of view. They're trying to say something, and festivals really look for that. Festivals look for these unique viewpoints and these important stories that people otherwise don't get to engage with, and they're really enriching to watch. Mm. But they're also really dra- they're also really draining because it's not light entertainment. You know, it's nothing okay. that you see on Netflix. It's nothing that you see on Amazon Prime. And because of that, it can be really, really tough to like say, okay, now I'm going to sit down and watch all this stuff. Is, there, is, 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 is it kind of, there's only stuff in it that you could appreciate if you are a filmmaker? Is, is, is that the essence? No, of not at all. Of these films? Or not even like that, it's so. not artistic for the sake of artistic? It's, it's not artistic for the sake of artistic. It's, it, it is about this idea of like, you know, you're learning actually when you're watching these films or you're like, you're okay. broadening your your mindset. And it's the same way that you need to be in a in a mindset to like watch a heavy documentary. You okay. know, these fiction films, these fiction films are showing you really, really good representations of people, of, of, of yeah, of situations. And mm-hmm. and yeah, that's that's really cool, but also it can be very tiring. I had that. I had that. Um, if if this lockdown all ends in that, and you go to a different, uh, uh, and you end up going to another award ceremony, shoot me a little invite, yeah, and I'll pop up because I want to see you in your element still. See how you see how you move. <laughs> in my, execs, I think we bro. just established. <laughs> I think we just established this was very much out of my element. You never know, bro. You might be better in it, but I like to. I, I would even like to see you out of your element. To be fair, I can't lie. I feel like it'd be entertaining. Um, I want to talk about something else. We've gone very in depth there. Hopefully that's been informative for men that don't know nothing about film um, and don't know anything about you as well, actually. And you know, you've learned something there. We're an informative podcast sometimes. Um, but the one of the first, um, I don't know if you told me this when we first met, but um, you told me a story about um, Kevin Spacey uh, that, I then heard six months to a year down the line as well. Um, I don't know if men are aware of his allegations, but there've been allegations out there that he's like groomed younger man while he's been through his career and that. Um, this all ties into like friend of a friend stories, which are essentially just like urban myths, essentially. And I tried to have this conversation with Nathan. He didn't understand what I was talking about. Apparently they're not a thing to him, but I seem to hear a select amount of stories, maybe like five of them, repeatedly through different men, and they come up every six to six months to a year. And Sandler <laughs> is the first person who told me this particular friend of a friend story. Um, tell it to me how you told it to me that day. 
please. I'm gonna I'm gonna try, but if I told it to you years ago, then then it's uh, yeah. I'm just gonna say yeah. I'm gonna act like it is. I don't remember it myself exactly to a T, but I've heard it better times. So matter of fact, I probably could. But um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you probably know it better than <laughs> yeah. I do. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I I guess I'll provide some context to it. In I I heard it at a garden party. <laughs> I was staying at so I was I was doing like a yeah I was doing a job in London uh, and then and then I heard it from I think it was when the like Oxford Cambridge races were on and there was like a right. I think there was an Oxford it was an Oxford after party happening in this garden um, anyway there's this there was a kid there and he started telling the story about his friend Jack mm-hmm. and um, yeah Jack was Jack's a, a guy he's 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 pretty good looking. He's pretty clever, but he's not necessarily always too clued up about, yeah, innuendos or like nuance. Um, nice, you know. And he he works at this this hotel outside of London. Um, it was a pretty nice hotel, and Kevin Spacey came to stay there. So uh, Jack Jack's like the waiter at the at the restaurant there, and he. Kevin Spacey sits in the area that Jack's serving. And so, um, yeah, he, he just serves him like any other customer and he, he doesn't even know that this is Kevin Spacey. He, he's got no idea. Um, as I said, he's not too clued up about everything. Apparently and so he, he just serves him. He just serves him like any other customer. And then and then at the end of the, the day, you know, he has some nice jokes with Kevin and, and there's, there's a little bit of banter going on. And then at the end of dinner, Kevin leaves and goes to his room and Jack clears up and he finds underneath the plate, he finds like a a hundred pound tip. And he's like, wow, a hundred pound tip. That's amazing. (laughs) (laughs) So he takes the tip, he pockets it. And then, then he, um, and then the next day, uh, dinner time again, Kevin sits in the same area, sit same table. In fact, uh, Mm -hmm. making sure that Jack will be again, the one serving him. And Jack serves him and he says, oh, thank you so much for that tip. You really shouldn't have, you know, that's, it's too much. And Kevin's like, oh, don't worry about it. It's all fine. Uh, and, and he serves him once again that night. And then when it comes for bye-byes, um, mm. Kevin says, Kevin hands him 150 pounds. Cool. And he says, hey, well, do you, do you want to like, you want to join one of my training sessions i've got a personal trainer here and um yeah we you know we're going to do a training session right now and and then Jack first like, red well, flag i'm working because well, kevin you know, spacey's out of shape as fuck but yeah not to jack <laughs> <laughs> not to jack jack seeing a 150 pound note and an invitation for some fun like you know there's oh i wouldn't i wouldn't second guess it and he yeah so he he takes 150 pounds. He's like, thank you so much, Kevin. Yeah, of course I'll come to your thing. You know, you're not going to argue with the man that's giving you big tips. Right, right, right. And, and so he's like, I, I, I finished work in an hour. I'll, I'll come join. He's like, yeah, that's perfect. So an hour later, Jack finishes his shift and he goes to join this, this session. And it's like the personal trainer. It's Kevin Spacey and it's Jack. And, and he joins in and he does a couple of exercises and the personal trainer like is like, oh, I gotta go to the bathroom. And he goes to the bathroom and Kevin Spacey um, starts helping Jack do an exercise, you know? And he like, you know, gently touches him by the waist, going a little bit low there. And, and then 
the trainer comes in again and Kevin Spacey stops and they just continue the exercises for a little bit longer and then they they finish and wow. then um, Kevin Kevin's like do you want to do you want to come out tonight Jack do you want to come out with on the town with us and so Jack's like you you know what yeah why not why not I'll, I I I could do a night out and so Jack says yes and then but he's worried now because he's he's just had Kevin Spacey sort of like feel him up and he's he's just a little bit like I don't want to give I hope I'm not sending the wrong messages so he goes to the personal trainer and he tells the personal trainer that and and the guy's like oh no don't worry about it Kevin's not like that you know it's it's all fine oh my um, all in it's on it. just my. it's just friendly and and so the personal trainer Jack and Kevin get into this limousine to go to London mm-hmm. and they're sitting in the back of this limo um, and yeah I think it's like a casual limo it's not like a really stretched limo you know it's one that still has like the the back seat with like something in between you know so you so Kevin pulls down like the 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 rest in between the two seats right yeah yeah and there's just like there's like cocaine all over oh, you know there's just it's got like bags of cocaine and he's like Jack, do you wanna do you wanna do some coke? And so, Jack's a fun guy. Jack says yes, mm. and uh, and they do they do a line of coke, and it's pretty fun, you know, that him, Kevin, and the personal trainer, and they're doing lines of coke, and they're having a great time and drinking champagne, and it's all fantastic. Driving around London in this limo, mm. and then um, then all of a sudden, whilst they're doing after doing another line of coke, Kevin puts his hand on Jack's leg and starts moving it upwards and instinctively Jack's like shit and he like brings his hand down really hard and nice stops job. just as a just as he's about to hit Kevin Spacey right in the balls I oh, should have hit him Jack bro I should have hit him man and Kevin Spacey Kevin just looks at Jack sort of stunned but there's like a little twinkle in his eyes and he just he, he sort of just looks at Jack and he says, do it. Oh, and at this bruv. point, Jack, Jack's got powder around his nose. He's, he's, he's pretty buzzed. He's ready. And he's like, fine, I'll do it. And he whacks Kevin Spacey in the balls. And Kevin just starts laughing. And he's like, do it again. And he just whacks him in the balls again. And he's like, again. And then Jack sat there in the back of this limousine. And he's just whacking Kevin Spacey in the balls again and again and again. And that was it. That was, you know, he, he said, oh, wow, that just happened. And then the, the night went on and it was all, you know, nothing else happened. Mm. And that I, was it. And, um, amazing. yeah. That's an amazing story. That's an amazing story. Well, I remember yeah, it differently. Well, it, con- it continues a little bit. It continues a little bit because Kevin Spacey actually then continued to sugar daddy this kid. Oh, okay, um, but okay. like very, very like sugar daddy like where like he then if he needed money or he needed uh, tickets to a festival, Kevin would like fly out from L.A. and have dinner with him. And then he'd ask him for something and he'd get it, you know, and it was a it was a very sugar daddy relationship. And Jack was like, you know, that's fine because there's nothing else going on. But did he did he have to do he, he, so he, didn't, he didn't have to do anything else apart from hit him in the balls. Nothing else happened. <laughs> Apart from that time, well, as far as we know, nothing else happened. No. Okay, see, okay, this is now where the friend of a friend story changes because the, t- the second time I heard this story, it was that he jacked off Kevin Spacey. Wow. Not Jack, because I don't remember the name, 
but it was person in a limousine, Jack's <laughs> off, Kevin Spacey. Um, but that's a fucking wild story. Now, when you say Jack, um, is that going to have to be bleaked out in this? No, not at all. I, you know, I, I don't know who Jack is. I don't know if the guy was called Jack. As I said, I told this story a long, long time ago. Okay, I okay, okay. Right, right, right. I said Jack because I've got a friend named Jack who I reckon this could happen to. <laughs> you, you fucking rude guy. <laughs> well, apologies to Jack in it if you're listening to this. Um, but that's a fucking wild story, and I've heard it multiple times. Now, how on a scale of believability? How much are you sure that you reckon this actually went down and happened? Um, I I mean, you know, call me gullible, but like certainly as a as a, as a filmmaker who's always chasing the most ridiculous stories, I believe when someone tells me a story, I believe it. Um, mm-hmm. And and the person who was telling the story didn't seem untrustworthy or anything. And if they tell it like it's entertaining and it's got enough detail to be believable, then you're like, yeah, yeah. you know that that's fine. Sounds about right. Yeah, yeah. Um, in regards to friend of a friend stories, do you have? Because uh, let me give you an example. So I, the Kevin Spacey one that you've just mentioned, I've heard, and it's changed a little bit. And the same thing happens with these other stories that I've heard. So, for example, I heard one about a girl rocks up to the club one night. She's with her friends. Uh, she's not wearing the right clothes exactly. Um, she came in flats as opposed to heels, and she's not let into the. She's not being let into the club. Uh, she speaks to the bouncer. The bouncer says, "Ah, oh, I've got an idea." If you come around this corner into this alley and uh, suck me off, uh, I'll let you into the club. She goes around and does it, gets into the club, has an amazing night. Wakes up now in the morning and she's got a cold sore on her lip. So she's like, oh no, this is mad. Rolls to the doctor uh, a couple of days later and he inspects it, examines it. And it turns out that this is some sort of cold sore or like bacterial infection that is only uh, present in dead people and then a, a few days later in the news uh, she finds out that this bouncer has been arrested for uh, fucking dead bodies in the morgue and that's the end of the story and I've heard that story about five times wow Dif- but again different different things change in the story it might be the reason why she was <laughs> let into the club or not let into the club or yeah. uh, who, the, who the doctor was that she saw um why do yeah. you think that these stories are so pertinent and are running around rampant or are they for you? Have you heard similar stories like, not similar stories, but have you heard stories that you hear around different people and you're like, oh, these are well, all the same? It's yeah, one a of the of big differences here, I think, is that you're saying friend of a friend. So, for example, the Kevin Spacey story that I heard was my friend, as in it wasn't my friend, but like the guy who was telling it was saying, saying so my, my mate, friend, right, my right, mate right, Jack. Right. Right. Okay. So it was like he knew this guy. Mm-hmm. Um, as soon as you get into, and that's actually funny where you're saying, like, is it believable? I think once it's friend of a friend, it becomes a little bit less personal. Um, right. Because then it's, then you're like, oh, well, maybe, you know, now I don't know because I don't know the, the, the person in between. <laughs> yeah. Um, so why are they pertinent? I don't know. I think that, to be honest, like that, for example, that sounds like a pretty easy story to come up with. It sounds like a pretty easy... It sounds like one of those jokes you tell in, like, primary school. Um, right. So the punch, yeah, with the punchline. It makes... Again, yeah. yeah it, so so that one almost... Uh, yeah. I don't, I don't know. I've not heard too many friend of a friend stories, but probably because I've not paid much attention to them. But, like, usually... 
when when I find stories, um, it's because I'm telling someone stories and then they tell me a story and like we we go on this like escapade. Mm-hmm. Um, there's because you know it's like I've I've had some I've heard some stories that are pretty unbelievable, but then you know you experience some stuff while wherever and then yeah. you're like well may- you know what maybe maybe life is just stranger than fiction <laughs> right right and it's in the realm of possibility yeah um i just fight yeah I, I i find that it's a weird phenomenon um everyone i've spoken to apparently maybe people just chat shit to me because they think they can chat shit to me because i have so many of these different stories <laughs> that i've heard from bad different man um but yeah i just want to touch because like, i think it's a weird phenomenon anyone listening it's nice beg- it, that's nice yeah. I think it's nice that you're actually listening to these stories though. I think that's why they tell them to you because you're a good listener <laughs> and you nah, actually remember fucking, them. I should be like, fucking, today we'll believe any old fucking shit, bro. Let me just put a friend of a friend at <laughs> the beginning of some bullshit and say it. Because um, I just keep fucking hearing them, man. Um, but yeah, I've, okay, let's, can we, let's, I think let's move on to the news um, and some topical convos for man. Um, because social media has been ablaze again um we have had uh it seems like a return of uh the blm days a few months ago um in regards to the uproar on social media in uh, light of sarah everard rest in peace who got uh murdered a couple weeks ago um and we've now seen a ton of people uh jumping on Instagram, this is mainly where I've seen it, jumping on Instagram and saying, basically just trying to project the message that we need to stop telling women to to uh, uh, protect themselves or um, like, I don't know, not go out too late, da, 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 but we need to instead educate men. Um, I grew up that message wholeheartedly. Um, but I wanted to delve a bit deeper because it's similar to when we were sharing the black squares. Uh, what was the point in us doing that? There was no reason. It didn't really send any sort of message. It didn't tell people how they should be responding to the situation um, of racial inequality. It just said, be aware. That's essentially in quotations what it meant. And it didn't really give you any sort of direction. And I think this is similar. So I wanted to, for us to have the discussion about what it is that you reckon we're being asked to do when it says that we should educate um, men and educate our sons, essentially. That was like uh, how it was termed. Yeah, yeah. What's the what's the question there? (laughs) How do you how do you like how how are we being asked to be educated? Like, what is it that what is it that we need to do? What what's the solution essentially? Um, I think that a lot of a lot of what people are posting and a lot of what people are sharing makes sense. Like, there's a lot of good information there. You know, there's a lot of good places to start in terms of how we should be educated. but yeah what i'm what i'm thinking more of here is like where you know how do, how do we actually change the situation um right. as in what is what is all of that really doing to change the situation i think that i completely agree with the whole educate your your son thing uh, it is it is men who are the problem you should never it's never blaming the victim it's always blaming the perpetrator which is which is what i think absolutely should happen mm-hmm. um and yeah so so to me educating the next generation educating young people is is definitely the best way to go about this because with a lot of these movements 
because like they take time because it's very hard to change people that are already like formed right but you mm-hmm. can change the next generation you can make sure that the next generation is better than this generation and like we're right. still young we can we can change of opinions and we can we can become x or y mm-hmm. um but yeah i mean well, do, uh, how 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 effective do you think I mean, how? Because okay, I, I mean, I'm. We're both men here, so I know men are going to get triggered by the fact that we're probably even broaching the convo. But if I'm talking about, let's say, BLM, for example, I didn't like the fact that it was just you. You could be a part of the solution simply just by sharing something to your Instagram story. Like I, I, I wanted to hear something more concrete from people in terms of what they were doing, um, whether it was in their occupation or otherwise. Um, I just. Uh, is is do you do you, do you uh, I just see a lot of anger and emotion online. I don't see much of like this is what we should be doing, and then also the fact that there's no conversation able to be had if you don't if you want to question it and critique what the statement is. Like even us having this conversation is probably gonna have some man off. Like I've I've heard I've seen women say like oh if you don't get it then you don't get it like sort your sort your shit out mm-hmm. and sort yourself out and we're not gonna have a convo with you. But like what does that really yeah. do to 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 solve anything? Um, yeah, I, I mean, the, as a society, we're like, you know, there, there's like a line on, on things, right? There's a line on um, racism, there's a line on sexism, that sort of thing. Like we've mm. put lines where, we, where we're like, you can't cross this line. Mm-hmm. And what is, what is happening at the moment is like our lines are being redressed. Like we're putting the line somewhere else. I think mm-hmm. what so many people get stuck in is this idea that we need to put the line somewhere. We need to put it somewhere and that's got to be it. But, mm-hmm. you know, you gotta, you got to remember the line is always changing. We put the line yeah. somewhere for now. We can, all, we, we can talk about it again. Let's have a conversation now and let's put the line somewhere. And if it doesn't work, let's put the line somewhere else. Let's put it like, you know, let's pull it back. Let's put it further. People get mm. people get annoyed about this idea of like, oh, what, men have to cross the road because women don't feel, women might not feel safe when we're walking like behind them. And like mm. people who are supposedly, you know, nice guys are like, why, why should we do that? But it's like, what's it gonna, you know, who cares? <laughs> cross the road, what's it? You might find a 20 pound note across the road, sure. Put the line there for a second, right? See how it works. And if women feel safer and things start to change a little bit as well, you can put the line back to where you, you can walk on the same side of the road, you know? But the, the thing is you need to be, I think people just need to be a little bit more considerate about you know what do what do people feel and just like go with it for a little while and things will change all the time anyway but just mm-hmm. just be nice as <laughs> just be nice crossing the road i think is a bit extreme though do you do you think you think you think we should we should we should cross the road every time uh we see that we're on the same side of the road as a woman i mean you're saying every time we see on the same i'm saying if it's 4am you're like pretty pretty waved and there's uh, a woman walking home by herself and you're also by yourself where, I don't know, maybe maybe you're wearing a hoodie or maybe you're just wearing all black because that's what you wear or whatever. And it's like, you, it doesn't it doesn't take much at that point because there's a lot of factors canning into that. I'm not saying that at 3, 3 p.m. in the afternoon you need to switch sides of the road. I'm saying in, in certain situations, use your judgment, you know, use, mm. 
just use logic and think, okay, how would I feel if I was a person that is, you know, that, that has someone walking behind them in the crossroad? I mean, it, even guys can feel unsafe when there's like oh, a group of guys I mean, walking, yeah, walking behind them. Yeah, if there's a group of guys walking behind you and it's like 5 a.m. or whatever, and it doesn't matter whether you're carrying like a lot of money or whether you're not carrying anything. It's like, it can feel threatening. But then following that, would we not then ask groups of people to cross the road at night if they're ever walking on the same side of the road as a person? Anyone? I'm not that... saying that it should be a... Sorry? Yeah, no, go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. Well, I was just going to say, I'm not saying it should be a rule or it, I'm just saying use your common sense. If, if, you know, if there's a way to make the situation better for everyone, just do it. And, and like I said, this is a situation that's also, this is like situational. Everything's always situational. You know, right now there's really high sensitivity to this sort of stuff. I, right. I don't even think that you and me should be arguing about this right now. Because again, one of the main points is that so much of the actual message gets lost in the constant debate of whether we should do stuff or not. It's not about whether, no, but this, you know, there is, there, there should, the, the, the debate should, it's not even about it being a debate. We don't even have to line it up as a debate, because I don't think we're arguing about anything. I think we're trying to find out, like you're saying, where the line is. I think that's what this yeah. discussion is. Because like you said, we need to figure out where the line is and it may end up changing. But I think it, we need to be open to having the discussion. This whole, we shouldn't talk sure. about it because it's distracting from the message and from, and, and, then, and, then, and then at the same time telling people to use their common sense doesn't fucking do, doesn't do anything. Because there's gonna be man, because common sense isn't fucking common, bro. You might think something's common because these are the echo chambers we surround ourselves in. Cool, around the people you chill with, it's common, bro. But for the majority of man, it's not. That's like me going, ah, oh, for anyone that's, uh, uh, bro, use your, it's like me t t telling a racist dude, yo, bro, just use your common sense in it, like, and be nice, bro. Motherfucker, what's that gonna do, bro? That's why we need to sit down yeah. on them. And, and either present to them discussions between ourselves where we're critical or sit down with them and sure. allow them to talk to us in ways that we wouldn't allow our friends or people who we, who we expect to uh, hold a certain standard um, in regards to their political beliefs. But I think otherwise we need to be open to arguing a little. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah, I completely agree with that, actually. I'm going to... I'm going to take that opportunity to retract that statement in a, <laughs> to a certain sense. Yeah, I, no, I, I, you've convinced me there. That's a really, really, really good point. Um, yeah, I, and and I think, you know, something like crossing the road is, is very much a situational solution. It's not a big solution. It's not a solution mm -hmm. to the problem. It's a very, it's factor, isn't it? Mm -hmm. But again, I think, I think it's good that, because for me, I would have never thought that in my head walking late at night. That has never crossed my mind until you mentioned it now, that I would maybe cross the road if I was. Maybe I'll consider it and in a situation I might do. But again, we need to, again, that's a line that I didn't know existed ever. I think that's what it is for a lot of people. They just don't know where the lines exist. So we bring them up and yeah. we chat about it. Then, I don't know, even having the thought in my head might make me do it, but I might not do it at the same time. Um, yeah, I don't know how, when you, when, let's say you have a kid, yeah? We're gonna make a kid later on in this episode, but let's say you've got a kid, what are you gonna tell him uh, uh, about how he should be as a man? I'm assuming he's a boy in this case scenario. What are you gonna tell him? Sure, okay. Well, yeah. um, I think- so he's we'll, eight. Let's, let's come at this from like um, a filmmaking perspective, I guess, because 
media is such a huge media is such a huge influence on how we see the world how we perceive the world and how we grow up to perceive the world uh-huh. um and and so much of television and films you know certainly old stuff is like has got loads of like sexist undertones and that sort of thing in it mm-hmm. so so i think um one of the things there is just you know it's 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 discuss it you know talk to talk to your kid and, and make sure that what they're engaging with in terms of media they understand whether whether it's accurate or whether it's not accurate um mm-hmm. you know just just ask them for their opinions and give them your opinions and just have like civil debates about it. just tell them yeah tell them how it is i guess just make sure that mm-hmm. because you can't really control kids these days anymore you can't control everything they're interacting with because they're interacting with so so much so you just got to try and talk to them and raise them yeah just just give it set a good example i think goes a very long way try, try and be better than you know the generation before you was to mm-hmm. f- as an example for you yeah i mean i guess that's it because i mean yeah we're now when i first heard the slogan educate your son or educate your friends etc i i i um I didn't really look at it with like a generational twist on it, even though it is pretty evident in it. But because when I first saw that, I saw that the same as, um, I don't know, like, uh, make sure your friends are not just not racist, but are anti-racist. I just saw it as like a very general thing. But again, it makes sense to you. It's, I guess the message is more so just try and be better than fucking man in the 60s 70s and and just and just try and make small incremental improvements um yeah or again, even the 2000s i mean yeah. the 2000s were pretty bad <laughs> yeah yeah facts facts um but yeah just the gen yeah just before the gen yeah yeah um but again next week i'm getting on uh one of my friends close friends millie who's a girl is be the first girl who's come on uh, sorry woman to come on the podcast and I'm going to have a chat with her to get her side of things and that um, because I think that's what's needed to be fair and maybe she can give uh, us some direction in that um, but yeah I, I, I yeah, I don't know it's just been a hot topic of debate and I don't want to see it like when BLM happened I don't want to see it just fizzle out and we just forget about this in a couple months because that would be fucking dead um, but yeah uh, mm. Another news thing that I wanted to chat about, a bit more lighthearted, but a bit mad, was um, this, uh, let me find it real quick. So yeah, it's just basically this cheerleading mum. She, um, let me just get it open so I make, I make sure I get all the facts right. But it's over in the States, in Pennsylvania, and this woman has used a deep fake to uh, basically try and get her uh, her daughter's friends kicked off the cheerleading team now a deep fake we spoke about this a few episodes ago when we we're talking about new tech and that a deep fake is basically whereby you can put someone else's face on someone else's body but in a very realistic way is that a good way of describing it yeah yeah um so essentially she's tried to put she's put her daughter's friends faces on like people smoking weed um on some nudes as well and sent them uh, to the school, I believe, and tried to get them kicked out. <laughs> but they found out um, her IP address from the app that she used to make them. And she's, got, she's now in jail, um, which I thought was fucking hilarious. <laughs> and, and I find, I kind of felt a sort of strong, uh, not empathy, but I thought, wow, like 
what an in ingenious way of using tech, especially from a person who's from an older generation of using new tech to try and basically just finesse her, her daughter's friends and get, them, and get them in trouble. I was like, this is fucking super smart as well from her. Um, but again, what, what, what's, your, what's, your, what's your take on it, man? Are you impressed? Is this mad? Does this set up mad precedents for what could happen in future when it comes to like, because I was thinking like in terms of like criminal pros prosecutions, people would be able to edit CCTV now and be like, yo, I, I saw Sandler, uh, I don't know, smacking Kevin Spacey in the balls, but I've just put his face on it, on someone else, on Jack, who did it. Do you know what I'm saying? You, how, how, how are we going to move forward from here in society? Well, wow, yeah. I mean, um, that's, that's pretty hefty. I'm, I'm impressed. I want to know how good the deep fakes were, but, but also... Has she so has she been charged? Has she been arrested? She it says here that Mrs. Spone is her name, Raffaella. So maybe Spone's pronounced a bit more um, ethnically, but she's from Pennsylvania. Yeah, she got um, she's been charged with multiple counts of harassment, um, and then she's also been accused of sending abusive messages. But it's not said whether she's been um, convicted in court as of yet. But yeah, there's a little. But she's been charged with harassment rather than like. Is there no like specific deep faking charge? Is that like impersonation? I don't believe there. I don't believe there is still, and I doubt there would be because I'm. I'm assuming these aren't uh, like well-established crimes. Do you know that happened? Um, but yeah, it's um, it's just done as harassment, I guess. And there's a mugshot of her here. I can see she looks very strange. Um, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> so I mean, what you what you th what, what are you What's, thinking about it? Well, what would you what would you charge them? Is it if it is harassment? Like, what what's she facing? How how badly can you? Yeah, how badly can you punish someone who? Um, or how effectively can you punish someone who uses deep fake to do something like that? S slander, I'm assuming of some sort. I'm assuming slander, right? Or something along those lines. Yeah. I'm not a fucking, I'm not a lawyer, but I'm assuming along them lines, essentially. Um, but I'm, I, I think there should probably be, or there's probably going to be moves to make policy that encompasses crimes like this because um, they, they're going to become yeah. rampant, bro, for sure. Um, Why aren't they there already? I mean, I, I, I know my dad, like, yesterday, I think I showed him a meme mm. which included Joe Biden. And he was like, oh, that looks like some good deep faking. And I was like, oh, no. Now, <laughs> now even like even my dad, who knows nothing about deep faking, oh. is going to just start assuming that anything he doesn't like is deep fake. Like, yeah. you're just you're just running into a problem with any kind of information and communication. Mm. We're, we're, we're already struggling with, um, I guess, fake news being rampant online and shit. And now it's just going to get even fucking worse, bro. We can't even trust... Uh, you have videos of people saying stuff, bro. Um, which is it's, wild. Yeah, it's only getting started. Uh -huh. Would you ever employ mm -hmm. deep faking? You know what? I've got I've got a movie question for you because I've heard that they were going to bring back um, James Dean. Is that his name? Yeah. The guy yeah, who did yeah, the, yeah. the driving thing. Is that James Dean? They were planning on bringing him I, back, and his family were like, "Fuck no!" Like <laughs> to to start as like so a lead the, in a movie. The the driving thing. James, is that his name? Is James Dean the fucking buff guy, white dude, and he drives to the edge of the cliff in that movie? Oh, you've just cut out there for a second. Hold on. Am I still here? 
Yeah, you're, you're there now. Um, so James, James Dean. The what movies? Guy, what movies? Has, what movies has James Dean been in? Oh man, that's that's a while ago. I I can tell you by heart. Yeah, tell but me. Anyway, I know who James Dean is. I know who James oh. Dean is. Um, they did want to deep fake him back. Yeah, I, I mean, this is literally the same conversation in in many ways as should they make Robert De Niro and Al Pacino oh, all yeah. look younger in I The looked, Irishman. It looked really bad, by the way. It did. It looked awful. And it, I thought that was a bad movie. I thought mm. The Irishman was boring as hell. And I was like, come on, man. This is old filmmakers just, you know, sticking to their guns. It's like, well, don't use technology like that. I think at the end of the day, art should always stay with the people. Mm-hmm. And you can use technology to replace that. Not because it necessarily isn't like as good, because it could be just as good, it could be even better. Right. But just because that's not, what art, that's not what art's about. Art's about people expressing themselves. Give young people a chance to play Robert De Niro, to play Al Pacino, you know, like find the next generation of talent. And that's, that's a responsibility and a requirement. I would almost argue that Maybe the technology is not quite there yet, but even so, I think you're probably providing a load of people with opportunities if you need a whole team to make a convincing deepfake. I'm assuming you're going to need a whole team of programmers uh, to actually make this character. So maybe it's just a move in a different direction in terms of where we're giving people opportunities. Maybe now that you, you... Yeah, you, that's a good point. You're a code now. Now maybe oh, you're more inspired to be a coder as opposed to like a lead star. Um, but... Yeah, I don't know. It's scary though that we're seeing computers. But just take listen, over and we shit. I'm I don't know about you, but I'm not finding any emotional connection in a in a line of code. Uh, like <laughs> I'm not yeah, it, I get that it might take a team of um editors and VFX artists, visual effects artists to like change someone's age and create this like really good deep fake, although, you know, we we saw it wasn't that good. Mm. But but still, like, you know, these are people behind the scenes. Like, at the end of the day, the audience is connecting with what they're seeing. Right. Cinema is, in many ways, one of the last... Well, in many ways, it's a very honest art form. Not because what they're portraying is necessarily honest, but because the audience gets to sit there, watch it, and go, I think this is fucking awful, or I think this is great. Right, right. Whereas when you go to when you go to a museum, you know you literally have someone telling you you're here to see this artist, you're here to see this person, and this is why it's great. There's a little card right there which tells you why it's so freaking great. Yeah, yeah. And you don't, you know, at least with film, you get to hate it, you know, and that's lovely. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but do do deep fakes take away from that? That'd be your ability to do that. I think that if you, you know, star power is what draws people to the films Mm. and anything that expands on star power is, to to my opinion, a detriment on Mm. the actual, the actual like integrity and purpose of film. I get that star power is there. I get why it needs to be there for economic purposes, Mm -hmm. but to like extend star power to the extent that someone's been dead for ages and you're going to keep deep faking them into a film like that's scary. That's, mm. I, yeah. No. <laughs> yeah, facts. Um, it's just the possibilities seem so sick, man. Like, imagine technology gets to the point where, 
I don't know, let's say we have a conversation and we're like, oh, bro, I wish there was rush hour five. And you can just be like, calm, I've got like two dudes that look close enough and I've got deep fake technology. We can fucking make this shit. And it can be in, where are you from in Belgium again? Leuven. It could be about fucking Chris Tucker and Jackie Chan being in Leuven. And like, there's so many, the possibilities (laughs) of what can go on now is immense and, and, and crazy. I... I think I think from that perspective, I am with you. This needs to happen. Uh, we need to make it happen. I hope technology gets there. I want to see that. I just hope that it doesn't take over the industry. Mm, okay. Yeah, yeah, okay, I hear you, I hear you. Um, it just seems like the possibilities are, 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 are boundless. And in terms of me, like, that would be... You can make, you could just make some funny shit, man. I don't know, but yeah, you're right. If If they start just bringing back, like old dead actors to have little like uh, cameos in movies then it's just going to be a bit fucking out of hand um, yeah I mean the, Martin Scorsese is not a commercial filmmaker so to speak he, mm. he's a filmmaker that's got a lot of like integrity behind him in terms of he's always made films about what he knows he's always made films with people he likes and he's made films about about people he likes uh-huh. documentaries loads of them so when you get Martin Scorsese coming around and being like, I'm going to use the same three actors and make him look younger, that's a little <laughs> bit disappointing because Martin Scorsese, I'm pretty sure, is the same person who says Marvel films are not cinema. Right, and it's like, right. come on, man. <laughs> You're going to call that CGI. Marvel's films are entertaining. They're cinema to me. I don't care what Martin mm. Scorsese thinks because Martin Scorsese will then, in the same breath, use CGI to make the same three actors look a lot younger. Right, with, 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 with no creative purpose necessarily um, as well. I'll yeah, no, it yeah. didn't serve the film. And it cost so much money. He went so far over budget with that film. He could have saved so much money by just having three good actors, right. giving them the opportunity mm. to do all that. Um, in other uh, progressions uh, in technology, not, necess- not necessarily morally and ethically, but just in terms of what we're capable of doing and changing, um, I've seen a lot of stuff about... Uh, genetically modified uh, babies. So essentially just having kids and then before they're even born, saying what genes you want in them to, I guess, try and uh, uh, have some control over what their disposition or their physical attributes are going to be like once they uh, once they grow up. And I wanted to do a little uh, 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 hypothetical, a little bit where let's say we, me and you, Tom, enter into a civil union of some sort. Um, I like you, you're a good guy. Um, I think you'd, 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 you'd be good around kids and that. Uh, you have to teach them a lot. Um, I wanted us to try and, I guess, build on some aspects of what our child would look like. Gender, physicality, intelligence, maybe some stuff that I haven't thought of as well. Um, how are we shaping this kid, man? You're asking me Matter now, fact, we- just like, <laughs> just create a kid? Me and you, bro, we're here. We've done it. We've done a little, we've had a little shub ceremony and that man have turned up. They've said congratulations. Long and fruitful future, hopefully. And there's there's no risks. There's no risks on like the (laughs) genetic modification. No, no, no. Let's say there's no, it's always going to be a probable thing. It's not like 100% sure, but like you can choose genes and like more than likely if you look after the kid, right, he gets enough water, gets enough food, he's going to turn out how you've chosen to turn up. Um, you, gotta, you, gotta, you gotta water it, put it in the sunshine. Right, right. Make sure it gets enough sleep, all of that stuff. Make sure it gets enough rest, everything, man. Um, but yeah, what's, what's, yeah. what's the first thing that you would ensure uh, 
for, 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 for our kid. Gosh. It sounds incredibly Aryan, doesn't it? It does. I'm getting a eugenics uh, uh, vibe from it, for sure, for sure. It's, I mean, it literally is eugenics. That's the definition yeah. of eugenics. Good <laughs> Eugenics <laughs> means good genes. Good genes right, right, right. there. So let's choose yeah. some good genes. I mean, if we're going to go for it, let's. I'm going to put myself in the mindset of a eugenics type of person. I mean, obviously, who I'm talking about is um, Donald Trump, because Donald Trump likes to mention more often than not how good genes yeah. are good genes they're important mm-hmm. um so i guess i guess the first thing is get rid of all the diseases i like personally my my granddad has um alzheimer's and my other granddad has parkinson's so i'm i'm gonna get hit with the double whammy i oh, so my. i'm gonna i'm not gonna, You're gonna be shaken you know, up I, forgetting stuff bro <laughs> I think it'll be better, to be honest, like if I'm forgetting all the time. <laughs> uh, but <laughs> Some bonuses there, yeah, to be fair. But so I would I would certainly, if you and me were having a kid, I don't even know how the like insemination process <laughs> would work. Bro, but this is literally like Build-A-Bear, bro. It's not even first, like, we ain't got to do first stuff. First of bro. all, you're, you're inseminating the egg because you've got far better looks than I do. So let's just... Here's, here's a thing though, uh, here's a thing. I, this is the first thing that came to my mind, yeah. He, I wanted to make, if it's a he, yeah. I, I, are we choosing a boy for starters first? Because I think I would prefer if you have a boy because I can relate to them more. I think we can relate to them more. Yeah, sure. Let's, uh, yeah, yeah. Okay. And, and obviously this whole thing on social media, educate your son. I think we can educate him. You know what I'm saying? Um, but I was first thinking he, I don't want him to be good looking because I believe that there's a tra- there's a tra- there's a trade-off, and I want him to be a little bit funny. I want him to build good people skills, and I think if he's too good looking, that he's not going to be able to experience certain downfalls in life. Do you get where I'm coming from? Yeah. You've yeah. got to build on yourself, I think, in terms of your personality and character. If you ain't good looking, so I want him to be like maybe a six or something. But I don't know how you do that genetically, but I'd be like, yeah. <laughs> maybe a six are you agreeing with me I are mean, you agreeing with me or do you want him to just be paid I you know you know I think it's that's a hard question I because now we're now we're talking about how how much of like who a child is going to be is biological and how much of it is sociological and I think you're right. you're look you're moving into both areas there because you're saying if someone's too handsome then the, the, the sociological effects on them are not going to be enough to shape that person into a <laughs> funny... A well-rounded a, person, yeah. Well-rounded person. That's really interesting. I mean, yeah, that's so like being ugly is a superpower. In some um, regards, yeah. I don't want him mad. Don't, don't get it wrong. I don't want him to look mad like that he's not going to get... <laughs> that <laughs> that man going to look at him with disgust. But I think like maybe like double take kind of like <laughs> ugly. You know what I'm saying? Nothing mad. But what <laughs> are you, are you ugly? So like yeah. a little bit, a little bit like oh my standards. I'm by my standards, this doesn't happen. Yeah, Is right, right, right. Exactly. Okay. Yeah, wow. like oh that's that's strange. You know how they're um, strange, good-looking people. I think you need to be like that. But what are you saying? Because we need to agree on oh, this. Oh, okay. It's so gonna strange, good-looking. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Um. Yeah. How do you? Okay. Listen. Like, how do you create a happy child? I, does a, a good looking person is not necessarily a happy person so I, I agree with you there mm-hmm. um, create create someone that people like you know what here's, here's the solution 
you know the like the nice face the the face that you're like I don't I don't think that that person is necessarily attractive but I like him like non-threatening like non-threatening like I I trust this person without even knowing them you know like mm-hmm. there's there's just certain people that just look inviting and nice and and you just feel comfortable around them that's that's what I'd be going for okay okay so, does we that can make reach, sense? We can reach. I think. No, that makes sense. That makes sense. I think we're we're coming to the same kind of thing. We want we want whatever his face looks like to be something that's not gonna necessarily be the most like uh, sexually attractive, but he's he's gonna be like a person that people want to chat to. So, I yeah, guess non-threatening yeah. and ugly, and him being a little bit ugly kind of line <laughs> up. So I think we're on the same page. I think we're working it out here still. Um, yeah, but then I, guess I think so. steering, steering away from his steering away from his looks. How do we want him to be physically? Is there a height? a certain minimum height we want him to reach in, in, in growth yeah I, I mean if listen if we put some Belgian jeans in him it'll be one meter 80 centimeters easy six foot you know cool. that won't be that won't be a problem so yeah um, I'll t- yeah I'll take I'll take your jeans on that one to be fair yeah yeah um intelligence uh I'd I'd, <laughs> I'd prefer like a certain social intelligence I don't really care if the kid's smart or not. Like, I mean, all of this uh, is, on, you know, we're like, just keep into, keep in mind, I guess, where I, I'm looking at this now from a point of view that is just purely like, how can I build the optimal capitalist, like, you know, success, I guess. So, yeah. so, so from that point of view, yeah, like someone who's like, maybe actually a little bit socially unintelligent and it's just all about, like a little bit of a psychopath. Like if he's good. a little bit of a sociopath, he's going to get a lot further than than if he was like a good person. Yeah, facts. A little bit of Mark Zuckerberg in him. Kind of, kind of. Kind <laughs> I don't of think it's Mark kind of, kind Zuckerberg. Of I think Mark Zuckerberg is like, that's different. <laughs> what do you mean? No, that's the same shit, right? That's the, what do you mean he's a little bit different? That's the same shit, right? Just like socially Mark's, unintelligent. Yeah. That's, but I think, doesn't Mark Zuckerberg have Asperger's? Does he have Asperger's? <laughs> Sorry, you know, that's my, no, my I'm gonna... I swear you don't. I swear he's just weird. I swear he's just a weird guy. Okay, well, uh, let's just settle on like someone who's like not too socially clued up so that they can, so that they can just ignore when they're like hurting people, or, like when they're stepping on toes and they're just like, listen, this is my goal. I got to get it. That's, that's what's happening. Yeah. Cool. Um, I think that's enough. Yeah. I think I, I think that's enough attributes that we've gone through. That I want to because I want to build this gradually. Maybe you come on in a few weeks' time and we build on some other attributes. But so far, we've got a a a six out of ten, somewhat a little bit like strange, good looking, um, but not in a threatening way. And he's also just socially unintelligent, but super smart. So he's not worried about stepping on toes. I think that's a good that's a good place to to start, and we can um build another attributes later on down the line if they that's the capitalist builder bear yeah facts literally they start you man any matter anyone listening to this should start thinking about this because it's going to be a possibility down the line so um i think we're slightly ahead of the curve to be fair um, <laughs> i'm saying conversations really that need to not. be broached i fuck it I, I, I can't lie if, if it happens to be the case in 10 years time i get to choose shit like this then i'll, I'll be gassed for it. um yeah what else <laughs> is there gassed. that we need to chat about this week yeah I can't lie, it'd be very, it, it, it brings, cause I've, I don't know, having, having kids, I think the main question that springs into my mind is that 
you need to make sure their existence is going to be worth it in some way. Do you know what I'm saying? You're bringing them, you're bringing a human from nothing to something. So if you can determine 100% that they're going to have a good life from some choice of their genetics, then I'm for that. I, I mean, you know, where are you putting good life? Uh, let's say there is a gene that shapes someone to only live for like uh, 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 five years or uh, what? there's loads of genetic symptoms like like uh, uh, Harlequin's etiosis, I think the thing's called, where like your, I think your, your, your skin, like, I don't know, there's best different symptoms where, or genetic things that you can get whereby let's say you're allergic to water or something. Like I wouldn't want my kid to have that. So while I'm in there tweaking and making sure that's not in there, then I would like to say make my kids smart or make sure my kids over six feet. Because yeah, I, that I, mean I know- they're gonna be happy. That doesn't, it doesn't mean, mean it, you know, a kid, a kid okay. could live five years long and be the happiest kid in the world. Why that life might've meant something. It doesn't mean then, okay, hear me out. It doesn't mean they're not going to be happy, but I have the advantage of living and being in the society that they're going to be brought into already. So if I can ensure knowing what's valued in our society, that they're going to have that through uh, altering their biology and their genetics, then I'm going to do that. So it's, it's a no brainer, right? Yeah, but are you, are you telling me that you do not deviate at all in any way from what is valued within our society? Bro, I wish I was like six foot eight and not six one. Why would you want to be six eight? Just being tall is better. Because being tall is better. Being tall is better, man. Why is that better? Because it's valued in our society, bro. Bro, if, okay, you're telling me, yeah. Okay, go on. What are you going to say? Because you look like you're about to just unload a barrel of something. So what, what? Oh, no, I, all I was going to say, I, I've never heard of anyone say that 6'8 is better than 6'1. Whatever, man, a little bit taller, maybe 6'4. I don't know, maybe 6'8 is actually a bit too tall. Like, it's weird tall, but maybe like 6'4 <laughs> or something, man. Like, yeah. You, okay, I'm, ha don't get me wrong, yeah, I'm calm, yeah, <laughs> with how I am, with how I am, yeah. But if... 20 years, 21 years ago, my mum had, had, had been at the doctors and, and the doctor had said to her, oh, you know, you can make your kid like four inches taller if you want to, just by making sure this dween gene like is tweaked this way. And she did it. I'd be like, all right, th thank you. Yeah. So what if you were four inches taller, but like the same width? So you looked really skinny. I don't know, bro. I'd go to the gym, man. Obviously there's some stuff that can't be tweaked, <laughs> but I'm just saying in general, if I was, let's say if I was born, yeah, and I come out and I'm, I'm four foot tall, okay? No disrespect to any four foot people, yeah? But if I come out and I was four foot and my, I knew that my parents had the choice to make me six foot something, I would be angry, bro. I'd be fucking jumping around, bruv, like a little angry dwarf, do, do you bruv, not, like vexed. Am <laughs> I circumstances, Do you not think bro. that we're like, do you not think that you're like focusing on on the wrong problem there though, that that's like, you're, you're angry because you're insecure rather than you're angry because someone else could have fixed it for you. Bro, there's, there's a difference between being insecure and knowing what, I mean, for sure, if you want to call being insecure, understanding what people around you value. And sometimes I, I, I personally wouldn't, if I, I, I personally wouldn't want my kid to have to overcome a ton of battles that they didn't need to. 
if I can change it. Because essentially with this technology, the power's in the parents' hands now. But I thought you just said that you wanted our kid to be a six. So yeah, so we can be funny. Go through some, go through some battles to like become funny. Yeah, but those are good battles. Like being short, like bro, that's like those. Are two, there's certain battles that aren't even like character building. Do you know what I mean? It's just long. Like you just long stuff ones? out unnecessarily. No, don't put me on the spot here and try and bait me out like this. Yeah, but you know what I'm talking about, man. <laughs> I honestly, I I don't think we're on the same page here. I think if you're talking about being angry about what your height is, then and and blaming it on your parents being able to decide and being like angry because there was the options, then yeah, it's like, come what... on, come on, man. You can even if there was the option, who gives a shit? Like that doesn't mean you're any less of a person just because you're a little bit smaller. Being taller would not have, who knows what being taller would have done. You got to keep your mind open. Even if, even if being taller, it might have meant that you would have hit your head against the fucking door and died, man. <laughs> I'm willing to hit risk hitting my head against the door. <laughs> being four foot, bro. I, I, I'm, I'm going to try, I'm trying to like, like line this up. You, I think you do get what I'm getting at or what I'm talking about. There are certain things if it, it's again this is all premised on if the option was available to change your genetics in a certain way um then i think yes it would be a good thing but then if matter of fact if then if everyone's able to do it then i guess it's going to change what we end up valuing in society but maybe we'll, we'll end up leveling the playing field you know what i'm saying i everyone's six know, I, everyone's but, six foot no one's short level playing field's a bad thing I think a level playing field means there's no ingenuity, there's no creativity. Why do we need creativity? Because we're leveling playing fields. We're, we're constantly trying to say something. There's different perspectives. You need that. You know, you yeah. need someone then, that's looking from above and you need someone that's looking from below. I would never, ever agree to anything that says that it is better to be one way over another. I don't care whether you live five years or a hundred years. I think that it literally, it's always going to be a matter of perspective. You are better from what point of view? Right, but who's, yeah, but yeah, but you've got to think about, okay, but bro, in, in that in that breath, I would say that insecure, insecurity and, and ingenuity and difference come in the same hand. You, Man, like, the, they, only, they, the only perspective that you need to be the best from is your perspective. So it's like, you need to be, your point of view is the only point of view that should matter in that sense. In terms of what your life is worth, it's all about your point of view because if your point of view says Bro. that you're less good than someone else, that's your problem. Dog, um, let's, I'm trying to think of a way. So if you, me and you have a kid and we, and we walk into the doctor's suite and they say your kid has genetics that are gonna only allow them to live a year, but you can tweak this little thing and they're gonna live a normal life in terms of length. You're telling me you're just gonna leave it have the kid knowing he's gonna die in a year and let it happen. Because in your eyes, every life has the same worth. Um, no, I, I'm gonna I'm gonna change that and um, I would I would absolutely change that out. But that's Why? from my Why? point that's because that's from my point of view. What I'm saying is from my point of view that might be like, okay, but I want my kid to live as long as possible, right? Mm. So so in that option, if a if a doctor says you have that option, that's fine. All I'm disagreeing with is the idea that retrospectively someone might be alive and say, I wish I was this or I wish I was that. 
And my parents could have changed that, you know, and it probably would have cost money or whatever. My parents could have changed that. And I'm unhappy no. because of that. Still flawed. Okay, let's move the age then. Let's move the age to, to 13 then. And the kid goes, oh, I wish, my, I wish you had changed my genetics so I didn't die at 13. Then what happens? You still sticking uh, with your kids, guns and saying, oh? The kid's already 13. He's going to die in a day anyway. No, I'm saying, let's say you get to the doctors and they say your kid's, your kid's going to end up dying until he's, when he's 13 unless you change his genetics. Are you just going to allow it to happen again? Because it's fine. And he's going no, to know. no, no, no. Okay, no, no. But listen, we're talking, I mean, we're arguing the same point here in, this, in a certain sense. Like, I, I would change that thing. I'm just saying, if you're talking about the value of life, then, then I'm not going to agree with that. It's like, you, I would absolutely want my kid to live as long as possible, but I don't think I would base the kid's happiness based off of how long it lives. Oh, 100%. Would, of course. Does that make sense? It, it does, but I, I don't agree with you. It's, it's logically coherent, but I, I, I don't agree with you. Maybe we're going to have to reconsider the civil union, bro. But um, uh, <laughs> <laughs> I think we've gotten very we've gotten very deep and philosophical there. We've hit a lot of different uh, 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 themes along this whole podcast, and I've enjoyed it very thoroughly. But I think we should bring it to an end and hit our sleepers um, as usual. What's yours first? We'll go to yours first because you're the guest, bro. What you got for us? Um, I am presenting. Could heaven ever be like this? By Idris Muhammad. Anything you want to tell us about the track? <laughs> I, yeah, I, I mean, it's a good track. It's, I've, I've, it's very funky. I think it's also, I think the first time I heard it, I was like, hold on a second. This is, this is the track that Jamie XX samples for um, one of his songs. I think one of his most popular songs. Uh, I can't actually remember what it's called right now, but I'll tell you after the track. Okay, nice. So this is Idris Muhammad. Could heaven ever be like this?
yeah, so that was um, Idris Muhammad, and the sample, the song it's sampled in by Jamie XX is actually Loud Places, and that's I think his most like famous song. And I remember I first found it, or I was like on this journey to find it because I heard it at Warehouse Project. He played that's Loud true. Places, but then when Loud Places like drops, he just mixed in the original, which was Idris Muhammad's track. Okay. And it's just so much funkier than anything anyone could ever make. So I really enjoyed it back then. We've played it a lot since then, and I mean, it just it just never fails to impress. I hear that. When 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 did you roll up to Warehouse Project? When was that? How many years ago? God, that was like that was like 2017, 2016, maybe even. Oh sure, okay. Uh, yeah, Jamie XX and Friends. It's a long time ago, and I it took me until like 2019, 2020 before I found this track. Shit. I love, I love, I love discovering tunes like that that you've heard and you you didn't have Shazam at the ready or whatever, and then um, you you, you yeah, find I think eventually. he played it, he he played it again at like Deckmantle Festival mm-hmm. in in Amsterdam, and that was like 2019, and then after that, I think I finally managed to find it like a couple months after that. I don't know, right. but yeah, it was it was a big moment when I did find it. <laughs> it's always it's always a big moment when you find the. Uh, good music that you've been waiting on. Um, my sleeper this week is uh, a tune called Wait by Abby and Dijon. Um, Dijon is an artist that I've been fucking gassing up for time now. Um, he went off and did his solo shit, but this tune's from um, one of his Bandcamp releases that he did a few years ago. Um, and it's just an absolute heater. The mix is a bit muddy and a bit dirty, but um, it does its ting. Um, and it's just a very mellow, cotch track. Um, and I'd recommend going and checking out Dijon's work now as well, because it's changed quite a bit. Um, but again, it's something refreshing, it's something new in like the indie pop-ish kind of space. And it's hip hop as well at the same time. But um, yeah, check it out. This is Abby and Dijon. Wait.
so that was Abby and Dijon. Uh, wait, I hope you enjoyed that one there. Of course you do. I don't know why I said that every time. Like, I hope you all, because you will do, because they're all here. Um, but yeah, it's been a pleasure having you on, bro. Um, we'll definitely have you on again at some point. Um, it's been a different one. And I feel like these podcasts are becoming more... Um, I want them to become more person-centered in terms of the people that I get on. Sort of guest-focused, but you come into our world a little bit as well. Um, and I think this has been one of the one of the best, still, to be fair. Um, but yeah, is there, is there any last message that you want to leave, man, with before you before you head off? Yeah, I mean, don't listen to me. <laughs> that's, that's it. Um, I thank you for having me on the podcast. It's it's been yeah, it's been really fun. I, I, it's my first podcast I've ever done. I hope I've not rambled Jeez. on a bit too much. Um, I'm honoured that you say that you might have me on again. Um, but yeah, so thank you. Yeah, no problem, no problem, bro. Um, yeah, one last message I wanted to leave man with is that they should get their COVID jabs. I just had mine yesterday. It's a little prick in your arm. You can literally, I mean, I signed up to it because I work sort of in, um, sort of a social care work. I don't really have to find my job, but essentially I look after like kids and people with mental health issues. So I kind of fall under that bracket. So I was able to go get one. But if you do it online, they don't check. So like, if you really want to get it and you're worried about, you know, mixing with vulnerable people and you want to get the jab, you can go get the jab, man. And it's real easy. Um, so I'd start booking your appointments. Um, just go grab that shit, man. That stat that you told me about people in France, 60% of them are not wanting it. Outrageous. Absolutely outrageous. Any people who are scared when we're in about the jab or anything, shut your mouths. Go get it. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's, that's, that's all that's all we've got to say, to be fair. Um, hope you've enjoyed the podcast, episode 42. Matter of fact, you've come on, on the yearly... It's been an anniversary. It's been a whole year since we started this, actually. So thank you for making it such a landmark occasion. <laughs> You're welcome. Thank you. Thank you. Well, yeah, uh, we shall see you, man, next week. Big love. Stay safe out there. Soon come lockdown restrictions lifted. Um, but yeah, we've been the Scorpio Podcast in a bit. Yeah, yeah. And we can't escape because the internet is our life.